episode 92 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. Our long national nightmare is over tomorrow, or today, or yesterday, or a couple days ago, depending on when you listen to this. Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. You and I, as citizens, have the obligation to shape the debates of our time, not only with the votes we cast, but with the voices we lift. The people are looking for honest answers, not easy answers. The very word secrecy is repugnant. Clear leadership. And we are, as a people, not false claims and evasiveness and politics as usual. Opposed to secret society. But ours was a nation of the ballot, not the bullet. And a secret procedure. As a people, we cannot afford to let any group of citizens or any individual citizens live or labor under conditions which are injurious to the Commonwealth. Black, white, Latino, Asian, Native American, young, old, gay, straight, men, women, folks with disabilities, all pledging allegiance under the same proud flag to this big, bold country that we love. That's what I see. That's the America I know. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. There is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. Yeah, I mean, with every passing minute, I feel the weight of that horrible, ridiculous human being being lifted from the nation. Now that he's not on Twitter anymore, I uh, I got to tell you, I haven't thought about him that much. I, I'm sure you haven't either. Uh, it's fantastic. Um, and we're, uh, we're going to move on. Uh, we're going to move on. From this guy, obviously, I still want there to be consequences for his seditious actions that led a violent mob to kill a police officer and injure many others in the Capitol. And really, in an attempt to decapitate our government. So there needs to be consequences for that. And I'm not saying to move on from holding him accountable. And I think that's going to happen. I think the Congress, the Congress has already impeached him in the House and He'll be tried in the Senate. I don't know if there are, you know, 17 Republicans brave enough to vote against him, but they should be. You know, I just think that a third of all Republicans over the next year will leave the party. I don't know that they're going to become Democrats. I think that's wishful thinking. Uh, I do think some members of the Republican caucus might caucus with the Democrats in both the House and the Senate. I don't know where they go. I mean, we talked about this last week. I don't know where Liz Cheney goes. I don't know where all these people go. So I do expect there to be some change in the makeup of the Congress. Whether or not that makes much of a difference. I mean, the Senate's 50-50. If one or two Republicans cross the aisle, that changes things. And Lisa Murkowski has already indicated that she might do that. I don't know why a guy like Mitt Romney... I mean, I know, look, I get it. Mitt Romney and I on policies are probably not going to see eye to eye to eye. I mean, we did kind of when he was when he was governor of Massachusetts, but he's uh, he's moved very far to the right on a lot of issues. Um, But Mitt Romney has no place in the Republican Party anymore. He cannot be a Republican anymore. So it's going to be very difficult for him going forward. He is not. Look, I I know Mitch McConnell uh, would welcome him in the caucus, right? But Mitch McConnell is also welcoming Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz in the caucus. And I don't know how anybody who gave the speech Mitch Pop, Mitch, uh, Mitch McConnell gave uh, on the floor of the Senate on January 6th after that riot caused by Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz, Donald Trump, and others. Um, I don't know how you stay in that party. I don't know how you stay in a party with those two people. I don't know how you stay in a caucus with those two people. I mean, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's going to be uh, a wild ride. Uh, Washington, D.C. is getting ready for the inauguration, and it's not getting ready just by putting up bunting. We're putting up fences. We're bringing in 25,000 National Guard troops. We're vetting those troops because we're concerned about perhaps an inside job. This isn't the way America is supposed to be. Somehow, there there is a percentage of this country that has bought into these big lies, the big lie, we should say, And it is impossible to convince them that what they have been told is a lie. And I, for one, I'm a big forgive 
move on kind of person. But in order for me to forgive somebody, they've got to admit and acknowledge what they did was wrong. They have to correct the record. If Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz want to stay in the United States Senate, that's great. Correct the record. Tell the people why you were wrong. Tell them that you lied to them. Tell them that Joe Biden is the duly elected president and there was no fraud on a major scale in this election and move on. But I don't see them doing it. Nobody apologizes in politics anymore. Nobody has any shame. Nobody, nobody ever wants to acknowledge that they went too far. And, and in the case of what happened last week, I mean, it is the ultimate case of rhetoric gone too far. Rhetoric, you know, do I think ultimately that Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz anticipated a violent mob storming the Capitol? I don't think they anticipated that. They are responsible in part for that, but I don't think they anticipated it. Now that they saw that that has happened, and, and this is why it drives me nuts that Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz still objected to the uh, to the um, to the electoral vote count for Pennsylvania and um, Arizona, even after the mob violently stormed the Capitol. Many others, you know, withdrew their objections. It amazes me. They didn't foresee it, but it happened. Now they know it happened. They have to assume that they were part of the cause of that happening. They should take their words back. They should apologize. They should say, look, this is a big lie. This is a big lie. And then they should resign or they should not run for re-election. I, I mean, People who usually fail at these kind of things usually resign. In all of history, they resign. Some of them go to jail. I mean, this was an attempted coup. And they spent the last, you know, 10 weeks planning it. 10 weeks ginning people up to come and storm this capital. Well, it's over now, right? Well, that's what we say. We hope. As I said last week, I don't know if, if what happened on January 6th was the beginning of something or the end of something. Let's hope it's the end of something. I, I for one, am not so sure. We have a very evenly divided government right now, and we should be on very high alert for what comes next. It's pathetic that we have to think this way in the United States of America. It's pathetic that one of our parties has sold itself out to a sea of lies that has been believed by their base so wholeheartedly that thousands of them came to Washington, D.C. to try to change the results of the election by force in America. Now, do I think that that's all of them? No. I don't think that everyone who voted for Trump was willing to take up arms against the Congress to keep him in power. But enough of them are. And, and you know, I've been having conversations I've had conversations with people who should know better. And this is the thing. I mean, there are Republicans, not Republicans, Trump supporters, let's call them, who have known me my whole life, who are so fanatical about Donald Trump that they question me. They question my motivation. I mean, I'm sorry. If the Democratic Party was a group of pedophile socialists, I wouldn't be part of it. I don't understand how they believe this stuff. And, you know, they have to justify two competing thoughts about Democrats. That they are completely incompetent and capable of running the government and that they are so devious that they're able to steal an election even though Donald Trump's in power and in Georgia and Arizona, it was Republican election officials. And, and all the states they challenged had some sort of Republican rule, right? Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan had Republican legislatures. So, you know, I, I don't know what else to say about what went down. All I could say is I'm looking forward to having adults in charge again. We've had Ron Klein on this show before. Um, he was on the Sunday shows this weekend. I mean, hearing somebody talk frankly like an adult, it, it's amazing to me. And I'm seeing this vaccine rollout be botched all over the country. And I blame the federal government for not having a plan. 
And and I know that states are doing the best they can. I am confident by the end of January, the federal government will take over command and control of getting these vaccines in people's arms. Uh, I just, you know, the states will have some role in it, but I, I think that the federal government needs to have the main main role in it because this is really what's going to define the Biden presidency. If he can get the 100 million people vaccinated in his first 100 days and exceed that goal, quite frankly, and get us to maybe 200 million vaccinated by the summer, we're going to start to see this country opening up in a way uh, that'll be tremendous. And we'll see the economy revive. We'll see people going back to work. I, I mean, I'm talking to so many people who have depression because of this situation. And it is horrible. I mean, it's a horrible situation for so many people in this country. They're depressed because, you know, either they lost their job or they feel isolated in their job. They're working from home. They don't have contact with people on a daily basis. I know a lot of people who work in the arts. They're going nuts. I mean, not just the fact that they're not making money, but, you know, when you're an artist and you're an entertainer, you really need to feel that audience interaction. And a lot of my friends that work in the arts, you know, they're having a real rough time. Uh, and it's causing a lot of depression. So when we get this country back up again, I'm really thinking by, you know, July, I'm going to the movies. I'm going to a Yankee game. I'm going to a Broadway show. I, I think by then we're going to be back in Atlanta. I think we'll still be wearing masks. Don't get me wrong. But I think we're going. I think we're opening up. Um, You know, I'm hoping that by August, Jones Beach theater, which is a big concert venue here on Long Island, will be operating again. And I'll go see, you know, Foo Fighters or Green Day or somebody there. I, I just, I'm hopeful because I think there are adults that are going to be in charge now. We're going to hear the truth. We're going to get the vaccine out. There's going to be a plan and we're going to get things done. It is, um, you know, it's time. And Tuesday at 12.01, he'll be gone and he won't be on Twitter and he'll do what he's going to do. He'll probably play golf for six months straight. Nobody will care. There won't be press taking a picture of him in his white golf shirt. Um, He could do whatever he wants. We won't care. Obviously, he's going to have to make time for his court dates in New York and in other places where he's being sued by both uh, state and local authorities and multiple people who have lawsuits that have been on hold, civil lawsuits against him because they couldn't sue the president of the United States. He won't be the president of the United States. No more. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, you're lucky. You're already there in the future and he's no longer president. And it feels so good. And we had a president of the United States give a speech that wasn't crazy. Written by a guy who probably shouldn't be writing speeches for anybody, let alone the president of the United States. We're going to have a speech written by people who really care about America, who believe in the American vision and also understand grammar. (laughs) So it's going to be fantastic to be in that spot. We're going to have real people running this country. I mean, if you're listening to this on Wednesday at like four o'clock in the afternoon, by now, Joe Biden has already signed executive orders canceling out almost everything Donald Trump has done by executive order in the last four years. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Erase the whole thing. Let's start over or let's at least go back to 2016 before this guy destroyed everything. I, I mean, I'm still, I, I still get into conversations with people where they, they think he was a good president on the economy. And they're telling me, you know, Obama never had 3% growth. Well, Trump never had 3% growth. He had negative growth this year. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> 3% growth's your goal? Okay, he didn't make that goal, annual 3% growth. He had quarters that were better than 3%. So did, so did Obama. I really think you should tell your Trump friends if you still talk to them. And I know a lot of us aren't talking to them anymore, but I think we need to talk to some of them. What are the five things you fear most about a Biden presidency? Write them down. Specific. Don't just say socialism or overregulation. Give me some specifics that you're most afraid of, like really afraid of that's going to impact you directly. Write them down and let's see where we are four years from now. I think we'll be pleasantly surprised. I think they'll be present, pleasantly surprised that none of those things that right-wing media is telling them to be afraid of are going to happen. It's just, it's just ridiculous. So I got a pretty good show tonight. I got two guests. 
I'm going to play them both for you. Um, Kathy Aru, you know her. She's been um, been on my show before. She's a Fox News liberal like me. She does the Stern Show and some other things. Um, she has a magazine. She's all over the place. She'll be my first guest. And then John Amato, who runs a site called Crooks and Liars, which monitors the media. Um, uh, they were both on my radio show last week. And I haven't had a guest in a while, so I figured, yeah, let me uh, let me put two in here today, and we'll be back on track with guests going forward. So, um, although I did have a good guest last week here, so I really do appreciate the support you all have given me the last four years uh, with this podcast, the last two years really. Um, keep it up. Tell your friends. Follow me on Twitter at Christopher Hahn on Twitter, and I'll be right back with Kathy Aru. Joining me now, friend of mine, a fellow Fox News liberal. Uh, she was known as the Liberal Sherpa. She has the Liberal Sherpa podcast. She is Kathy Abreu. Kathy, how you doing? How are you? Yeah, what is it with the ties and just the ties? I um, it's like a man of mystery. So you. I have a really. I th- I I think that most men, myself especially, okay, are very bad at taking selfies, right? I don't know how to smile on my own. I don't know how, you know, like it's all that. So years ago, I had somebody give me a little advice on social media and I'm still nowhere on Instagram. Like I'm nowhere on Instagram. You know, who wants to follow a middle-aged guy on Instagram? I like, am. I'm so into that. Well, I mean, you know? yeah, well, I ver- well, barely, I put pictures of my dog up and pictures of my tie, but it, somebody said to me, you know, you got to have a thing. So this has been my thing and it's actually pretty, it's pretty good. I've seen other people try to really? imitate it, but nobody does it like me. Really? And I do it. I do it when I sit down in the chair right before I'm going to go on the air. I take a picture of my shirt and tie with the mic clipped on me and, and I tweet it out. And I've done it for every appearance for two years. I know. I know. I've been waiting for the face. I think you should do Snapchat with the kitty cat ears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll do the Snapchat yeah. with the kitty cat ears and the, uh, yeah, because yeah, that'll make conservatives think I'm more manly, right? <laughs> Seriously. And the little whiskers. Yeah. But, you know, so, just, so uh, following the other people's advice. Not. So, Kathy, um, yeah. I, I mean, last week was shocking, but not surprising. I think you and I have talked not since then. Um Yep. It, it was amazing to me to watch. You and I both worked on Capitol Hill, so we've. I still have a lot of yep. friends there, and uh, I was a, yep. very much afraid for them, and and it showed up in a lot of my appearances because I was shot out of a cannon. I wasn't given any. I wasn't given anybody an inch the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah. You know, give me your okay. give me your baseline thoughts and reactions to what you're seeing down in Washington. Well, I was I was angrier than usual. You know, like I try to like you're aggressive, the aggressive progressive, you know, so when you're on Fox, you're aggressive. I'm the little Sherpa, I'm, I'm the guy, you know, I've always like, uh, uh, still on their site, the little Sherpa guiding us, you know, so I try to take a softer approach and not, you know, um, be as, you know, I try not to point the finger as strongly, but, uh, last week I actually did, uh, the Howard Stern wrap up show right after. I know it's by the way, the thing I'm most impressed with you about all the other stuff you've done in your life, worked at the state department magazine, mogul, (laughs) thousands of TV appearances. The thing that impresses me the most about you of all the things you've done, beautiful daughter, who's like more famous than you now. Um, I, 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 the thing that impresses me most is your appearances on the Howard Stern wrap up show and the Howard Stern show. And I, and I appreciate you introducing me to Steve Brandano and hopefully they, they catch my buoy bombs that I, I do often on, on Fox news. I know I've, I've actually, I think I've coughed a few like, Bob on these appearances, but um, yeah, so I I actually had the the honor of doing the wrap up show, which I listened. I think you did too. Nine eleven. Yeah, I felt it was a nine eleven. I felt what happened last week was a nine eleven, and I was looking to Howard Stern because that's all I listened to on nine eleven. I didn't even turn on the TV, and I couldn't even admit it. But I needed that voice, that guidance, to tell me because I thought the world was over. Yeah, you know, my lifetime that nine eleven. Uh, I don't. I wasn't there for you know. '68 was like people say one of the worst years ever in our country, and I I I wasn't. Born. Uh, I mean, '68 so has got 2020. '68's got nothing on 2020 and and yeah. early 2021. Quite frankly, right, right. We saw 2020. Oh my god! And then 2021, everyone's like, oh no, like what? How could it get worse than 2020? And then that happened. So I felt. That, I think it's a 9/11 really. Uh, for a lot of uh, a lot of people, a lot of even kids, kids now in 
you know, sixth grade, middle school, high school. This is their this is the 9-11 that they've read about. The scary moment yeah. happening. Yeah. People, uh, people are dying. What's next? I agree with you on the 9-11 comparison, and, and I did listen to you on the wrap-up show. Uh, I agree 100%. I, I worked in the Senate on 9-11. I was talking about that earlier on my show tonight. Um, yeah, it, it was the same feeling. Uh, yeah. it, it, you know, uh, it was it was a horror show. I was in D.C. Uh, in, for, for 9-11. I was in D.C., and I was in and out of those buildings because I was with the Washington Post. So I was in the Pentagon. I was at the White House. I was at the Rayburn building, you know, just depending on what building, what senator, what congressperson, what cabinet secretary. It just depended on what day of the week it was, who I was interviewing, what building I was in. I was in the Supreme Court. You never knew. So that day was the Pentagon. And I I lost a friend that day who was on the plane that I didn't know at the time. But um, to sit there, I was writing up an article and to look out the window to see the smoke from the Pentagon and you're hearing that there's one last plane yeah. to D.C., that fourth plane, and hearing Howard talk about it. Yeah. For listening to Howard Stern. That's why I didn't want to put the TV on, because I was looking out the window, listening to Howard, wondering uh, there's this one lone writer in a, you know, in a, su- a suburb right there, right at, right next to the Pentagon. Um, and I was thinking, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Is, 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 am I going to be in the news? You know, I, I got to tell you, I, I listened to Howard. So, you know, I remember 9-11 like it was yesterday. I was working for Chuck at the time, but I moonlighted in the morning as a professor at Hofstra University on Long Island. Ooh. I worked here in the state for, for Chuck. And um, I got pulled out of class when the second plane hit. The dean of the school came and said, hey, man, you better call your office. He knew I was a senior aide to Chuck, and he, he pulled me out. And I got my I got my car. He explained to me what was going on. I got my car. Howard was still on because I was listening yeah. to him on on the way in, and he was still on the air, and he stayed on the air for a while. I can't believe and, he did. And I it was he was, it, 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 he was uh, you know he used the voice I heard you know originally uh, of what was going on, and then I got in touch with my chief of staff, who was actually in Buffalo that day oh. because one of our one of our colleagues was running for a local office in Buffalo. And I was supposed to be in Buffalo, but I had gotten this teaching gig, and I also had to get a root canal uh, the next oh. day. And by the way, I didn't get that root canal. I just had him pull the tooth out, and I, I still have that hole in the back of my mouth. I call it my 9-11 hole. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's 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 because yeah. I had to get to work. I mean, I had a 7 a.m. Right. doctor's appointment with the, with, the, the, with the dentist. He says, you're going to uh-huh. have to come back three more times. I'm like, I can't come back three more times. Just pull the freaking tooth out. I got too oh, much wow. to do. And I literally was working. You know, right after nine eleven, we worked for three months straight. We didn't stop. So it was it, well. I thought it was. I I really didn't think anything would ever get back to normal. I thought it was the, the you know REM, the end of the world as we know. Yeah. And and then so last week when um for me I I could smell the the building. I t- to walk into that building and to see the marble and the wood furniture and these people so professional. Yeah. So um. Uh, they work so hard in D.C. They get such a bad rap. They work really. They 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 hold up these standards, these ethics, in those buildings. And when you walk in with someone, an aide, usually you know there are a lot of interns, young people, a lot of, a lot of folks that would just uh, walk me to where I needed to go. And to think, if you you have the nerve to walk into that Capitol and disrespect and, it, and, and disrespect it, yeah, it, it that's all I could think of was, oh my gosh, they were on. Un- I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. It was it was disgusting. And how how a week later they're telling me that those were patriots fighting for a country. Yeah. You didn't pause. You didn't pause. Yeah. When you look at that marble, when you see those windows with that history, that they're wavy. And they're breaking through those windows. I anybody calls those people patriots to me is a joke. And I hope to God. You know, I, I want Trump removed so bad before his terms over because I don't want him to figure out a way to pardon any of those people. Uh, it, I, I just, it's disgusting. I, they're still being defended, though, because I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm active on Twitter. And, I, you know, some people have called me a troll because I just I, like you, you know, we, we write right back. I, I, I don't mind a good fight. I don't mind a good debate. No, I love a good debate. That's why I've, I've been on Fox for 11 years. <laughs> yeah, no, I was I started 2008 on Fox and I'm still on the website, quite active on their website. Uh, you know, they still have me up there promoted on their site like crazy. And I, I don't like fighting, but I don't mind a really good debate. 
And um, I'm debating left and right with these people who are defending last week that, uh, you know, the, the people that stood by the president, those who still, after all of this happened, we were trying to send a message to yeah. the world, just like 9-11. I, I don't get it. All right. Fall. Hold that thought for a sec. I'm back with my good friend, Kathy Aru, who, you know, I adore. I've actually, this is another one of my good friends that I've never met. By the way, Kathy Aru and I are, are like we have a history together because we're both Fox News liberal, but we've never actually been in the same physical space together. Oh, you, God, you're right. Why would we debate each other at Fox? That yeah, we would. They would never have us debate each other. It'd be like, oh, yes, I agree. And what's the point? We'll like, just smile <laughs> and just sit there. Yeah, it would be yeah. like the worst segment. Yeah, it would be horrible. It'd be horrible. I was I literally was just saying that like just a minute ago, like. Uh, you know, before I had you on the air, I was talking about how the conservatives aren't going to like parlor anyway, because there's no liberals on it. <laughs> like, yeah, I know that. Oh my God, they're all back. Right. I, I have been torn apart in the last like 30 minutes. Like we're all, and I told most of them, aren't you supposed to be on parlor? Like, why are you here? Why are you like, aren't you supposed to be somewhere else? How are you going to own the libs on parlor? I, I, I told them it's like planning your own funeral. Like, I don't care what you talk about, about me on parlor. I'll never know. I'm not going on parlor. <laughs> no, they're all following me. I'm like, first of all, why are you following me? Because they tell me to shut up. And I'm like, second of all, shouldn't you be on Parlor or like one of those other things? Somebody did a meme of me last night after I was on the air. Aww, they did a meme of me like as a cartoon character. I don't know how they even did it. Nice. And it was nice. weird, though. It was really weird. And I said, I just tweeted at them. That's a freaky meme. And the guy's oh, like, oh, I'll take it down. You see, I'm not so bad. <laughs> oh, no. I, some guy did some really ugly one, and I thanked him that he took the time. Like, he drew he drew me out. I, I mean, I don't and think I looked ugly. I just thought I looked weird. I looked freaky. Like I was some, uh, like, I, like I was the devil or something. Like, it was like my mouth would open really wide, but my teeth were perfect. <laughs> oh, well, that's that's kind of a compliment, but I like I hate it when they misquote me. I mean, Kathy, people just say mean things about us on online all the time, and it yeah. never really bothers me. And now they're going to go to parlor; they're going to say mean things about me, and I'm not going to know, so I don't care. I mean, what's the worst thing somebody has said to you on Twitter or, or Instagram or something? Well, besides um, you're ugly, um, you're stupid, uh, you know those kind of things, and death threats. Besides those those things i've been getting death threats uh, since the first day i've been on fox it's it's been uh, horrible well it's funny because of the the uh, they've evolved yes on from um, right from postcard uh, <laughs> letters emails uh now dms if they can instagram um now twitter uh, maybe parlor. We don't know. I only get email death threats because I do have an email for people to contact me on my website and people will occasionally email me there. I don't get as many yeah. death threats anymore as much as of if I ever see you walking down the street, I'm going to punch you in the face. And I do have a lot of people staring me down when I'm out, but very few have tried to punch me in the face. Thank you. For that. I've, I've gotten stopped, you know, like at the milk aisle and things like that. Uh, you know, oh, I don't agree with you, but can I have a picture? Yes. Like oh, I get a lot of that. Oh, I my it's the, the number Number one thing people say to me is, oh, I love seeing you on Fox. I don't agree with anything you have to say. I feel like the sheriff in uh, Blazing Saddles. You will have the decency not to mention I like you, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So when I when they post a selfie, you know, or I say, okay, I'll post a selfie. I have to say, note, this person, you know, Dave, whatever their first name is, does not like me in any way. (laughs) He is a conservative. However... He wants you to know that he met me today and here's myself. Yes, yes, yes. I I went to this thing last year uh, called Politicon. I don't know if you've ever been to Politicon. Oh, I've never been. I I, I was going to go, but then I was like, I don't understand it. I I spoke at Politicon and I I, I did a debate uh, at Politicon with Michael Knowles. Um, Conservative Michael Knowles and I debated each other. And, you know, I, I... never felt more famous in my life than being a Politicon because it just, people were coming up to me wherever I went, like even outside of Politicon because people were all in town for Politicon. They were like taking pictures with me and talking to me. Everybody was nice. Everybody was nice. I did my debate with Knowles and it was wild. And I had one guy had security had to take out because he was, you know, going to try to kill me. But other than that, everybody was great. (laughs) So, Wow, I actually had an incident like that. I spoke at um, Baylor. Uh, uh, well, I spoke at Baylor. I'm sorry, it was at Augusta University, and they had to uh, um, help me with a, a liberal who was very upset that oh. I was appearing on Fox News. It's yeah. the liberal had to be um, kind of escorted out. The guy that wanted to wanted to beat me up at Politicon after yeah. I spoke was mad 
that I said that the people who were rioting in Charlottesville were racist and they were not redeemable, not one of them. There were not good people there. <laughs> well, you you were you were. I mean, I, last last week I actually was very forward like that as well. Usually I just don't. I try not to be like so forward. I try to be like you know, they, uh, there's bad people, bad apples on both sides, you know. But because I I really don't want to get killed. But last week, uh, as we were saying, like on the wrap up show, it was whose fault is this at the Capitol? And it was Trump's. No, it was Trump's fault. No Trump. No Trump rally. No Capitol riot. Right. No, no, you know what? If Trump says uh, when the election's called, congratulations, Joe Biden, no riot. Yeah. No riot. And by the way, they probably continue to hold the Senate. They probably would have won Georgia had Trump not pretended that he won the election for two months. Um, Well, my insiders say it was almost like he did that because usually there is no power to be had the last two months of your president. So he did that to, to show he had power. Yeah. He had power over Georgia. And he was going to prove it. And he did. And he only has like, what, five days left of power. And he has a plane and he knows how to use it. Yeah. So and he should take get on that plane, go to Florida and stay there because we don't like him anymore. And he needs to go. No, that's not power, though. That's not power. So he's going to well, go to the Alamo. And well, he went to the Alamo already and nobody exactly. cared. He, it's done. But, <laughs> yeah, they, you know, some one station, I think, put it on air. But on, on, on Twitter, the first thing I said was, has he conceded yet? And this was the first week after the election, and I had no idea that he wouldn't. Yeah, I thought for sure he at some point would have been like, I lost. You know, it's just, and he's never gonna, he's never gonna say it. And it's, it's, and there are, you know, I don't think there's 75 million people that believe it, but there's at least 50 million. And that's a lot of people who believe that this election was rigged. And that's way too many, if you ask me. And I can't stand that. A lot of them. And what's amazing, I think, with what you and I do is that so few people know what the other side is thinking because they don't hear from the other side. Yeah. You and I, uh, we hear it. I hear it every day. I'm, and, I'm living uh, it. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm only yeah. I'm only known to people on the other side. Liberals have very, very few liberals know who I am. I mean, they listen to my podcast, some of them, no. but they wouldn't right, pick me. Right. couldn't pick me out of a crowd. Right. No, this is this is my demographic. And I do love many of the people who watch or Fox have been very polite. Um, they usually are very polite, but, uh, you know, I, like yesterday when um, I made a comment against NRA, you know, Dana Loesch, yep, yep. the NRA, former president, because uh, she said she put out a tweet, which I thought was ridiculous. Uh, quote, this is all uh, the left says, quote, we want anyone we don't like off of Twitter. <laughs> so I retweeted and I said, uh, Twitter, can we please get Dana Loesch off? Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Because no one does. Has anyone said that? No, nobody said that. All right, look, I only have about a minute left with you, so I want to give you some time to plug away here. What do you What do you promote, and what do you want people to know? Oh God. Oh, well, uh, I got I got the podcast, uh, but obviously uh, I got the magazine, Catalina Magazine, which is nonpartisan in any way. Um, and then I got a book coming out. It's twenty years in the making. Wow. So twenty years of interviews from the Washington Post. I interviewed the left, the right. The middle uh, from Jane Goodall, Jimmy Carter, Laura Bush, um, Al Franken, uh, Wolf Blitzer. Just um, just such a variety. Well, I hope you'll so, send me an autographed copy. I'm trying to show uh, Chris Hahn <laughs> we're all human. That's it. There, I, I agree with that, too. And, and that's why I think that this, too, shall pass. You know, I, I am not as down on this country uh, as some commentators are, I, I think this too shall pass, and I think we're going to get past this, and we're going to move on, and I think we'll live. So, Kathy Aru, one of my favorite people. Follow her on Twitter. She's at Kathy Aru on Twitter. All right, that's Kathy. Stick around for John Amato. Joining me now, John Amato. He is the founder of Crooks and Liars. It is a website dedicated to taking down the right wing. John, how you doing? I'm doing great, Chris. It's good to be with you, buddy. Well, I mean, you guys have written about me a couple times, and I always appreciate when you catch up uh, to some of the stuff I've done. Uh, so uh, when you asked me if I needed a guest this week and somebody canceled, I'm like, yeah, come on on, baby. I was going to just talk to myself for another 30 minutes. So, <laughs> Right on. Well, you, you know, you kick butt and take names. And uh, so when I see that, you know, part of what we do is media criticism, and we wanted to first progressive websites to monitor the media and so fox news and even like even nowadays newsmax and oan cnn msnbc like everybody we check out and and um, you guys got you you must spend a lot of time watching tv now do you watch it yourself or do you have a whole staff of people doing this 
Well, you know, when I started, it was me, and I watched everything. I actually had three TiVos going at once, and I and I taped everything, and, um, and then I would also get tips from from readers and emails and whatnot. But no, I have uh, you know managing editor, associate editors, and writers, and and then you know people send tips on Twitter and Facebook and emails. So I don't have to. It's really I'm, I've been doing this now. It's crazy for sixteen years. So I can't, I, I really don't have it in me to like scan every show. That's crazy. Can. So wait a minute. Are you associated with news hounds? Cause you know, 10 years ago when I first, maybe 11 years ago when I first started doing Fox, um, I had a hit on Fox where I was talking about, uh, food stamps and okay. news hounds named me the top dog of the week. And I, I got an email, you know, <laughs> alert that I was a top dog of the week. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> it was so <laughs> Well actually, um Ellen who's who's the uh, you know, who started News Hound, she's actually writing for us now. Oh great. Um so she yeah, uh, she you know, I, I, I hired her on um I don't know, last year and but she's also you know, she's been doing uh she's also done similar work over the years. And so, you know, and, and, and I've talked with her on and off, and so she was a stand-up gal. So then, you know, I could use a little extra help. So she's she's on board now. She's part of the staff. That's great. You know what's funny? John Heileman just walked by my studio. He must have just gotten off a plane here in New York. Hey, Mike, go ask that guy if he wants to come on the radio in five minutes. Uh, <laughs> uh, it is, it, it's amazing to me. Literally, that's John Heilman standing outside my studio. I'm almost positive. If it's not, I'm going to have some strange guy on my, on my radio show. Uh, it's, it's so, so what made you decide to get involved with this, uh, with this business? What drove you to this? So, well, uh, yeah, I won't get into a long thing, but I used to be, a you know, I have a degree in music. I want to, Carnegie Hall Music Scholarship and at Hunter College. So I was a touring musician playing and, and a doctor basically crippled me. And But I was also, I couldn't go. I was actually uh, playing with Duran Duran at the time. Wow. And That's big time. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I had played with John Taylor previously for about uh, three years, four years uh, after Duran had broken up. And then when they reformed, you know, he asked me to do a solo on Rio at this huge blockbuster bowl concert. And then I started playing some gigs with them. But, um, so, but I've also, but I, I got, I had my actually political awakening back in 2000. You know, I was sort of, I was always a registered independent and, but I didn't take it as seriously, um, until like after Clinton was on his way out and I saw that this guy, George Bush, from Texas was running. Yeah. Like, why would we, why would the country want to change directions when the economy was spoken? We actually had a, uh, you know, a surplus in the budget, right? Which is weird. And, and why would we get this Yahoo from Texas to come and lead the country? It didn't make any sense to me. And I actually registered, I was always a registered independent, registered as a Democrat um, in California. And then bang, you know, we know what happened with the Supreme Court and the 537 votes. Yeah, that got that was my awakening. And then I got sort of really got into it more and more. Um, And, and, you know, the Iraq war really drove me to start, um, you know, just getting my voice out there a little bit. A good friend of mine who was like, like one of the greatest Hammond B3 organ players and, and vocalist guy, Mike Finnegan, was a good friend of mine. He was touring at the time with Crosby, Stills, and Nash for like 20 years, and he used to send out a little email, and, and you know, he'd been part of the ACLU for, you know, 30 years and all that stuff. And so he used to send out little emails, and that's when I first saw, like, what, what a, what's a blog, you know? Well, you know, I mean, I, I got to tell you, that life sounds a lot more exciting than watching me debate Matt Schlapp uh, you know, <laughs> on some show in the middle of the day or, you know, prime time when they let me, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, I don't know why anybody would go from that where you were doing, you know, playing concerts with Duran Duran and, and everything that came with that uh, to, to this. <laughs> I mean, you must really be passionate about TV news. Well, no, well, I am. But what happened is the doctor sort of crippled me. And so I had to, I, I, I couldn't, I had to actually quit the band because I couldn't go on the road. I, could, I was getting ready to go to England for another, uh, you know, tour. And so I was actually home 
you know, sort of trying to recuperate when I actually had a chance to start watching the cable news shows more thoroughly. And, you know, it, it's like I realized I had this other little awakening, which is like when you read little quotes at the time, you know, people would write Bill O'Reilly, you know, said this or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but so I realized, you know, reading the quotes doesn't do this justice. No, you, so it's you out of context. Me? It seems tamer when you just read it. And if you really have to see it, and that's sort of what I got the idea. To be honest with you, I was really the first like political website or most almost any website to post video online before YouTube. Yeah, and um, and so it sort of took off from there. And really watching these people, you know, on a consistent basis, I was shocked what I was hearing. And so you know, it was obviously the Iraq War was sort of pushed me to start. Uh, getting more involved. Well, I'm glad you did. I, I know that all of us pundits love it when we wind up on websites like that. We probably, I, I would I would get half your traffic as like people who are actually on TV. That was John Heilman, John Amato, uh, that was outside really? <laughs> my studio, but he did not want to come on the air. I don't I don't think it was anything personal to me. He was like in a rush. He's, I literally looked outside to see if he was still there. He was gone. He's long gone. Uh, the studio uh, that I do this podcast, that, that I do this in is in an airport. So uh, it's... <laughs> It's, people walk right by and every now and then there's a good one and sometimes they come in. <laughs> so, you know, when I was in an airport, um, you, you know, I, I caught it was during the DNC back in, in 2009 for Obama and all these Republicans were walking by me when, when they when the news that Sarah Palin was the pick. And I started yelling at him in the, in the airport. What do you think of that? They just ran away. There was yeah. by the Sarah Palin pick. Yeah, I, I mean, it was it was interesting. I'm wondering why John Heilman's on Long Island. I didn't think he was a Long Island guy. So uh, that's interesting. I'm going to have to figure that out in the next uh, 24 hours and maybe try to get him on this show at some point. But let's talk a little bit about the media landscape, which is something I wanted to you know pick your brain about when you offered to come on the show, because... Yeah. Obviously, you know, look, Fox News has a news division. I've worked at Fox News for a long time. The news division does try to play it straight. Maybe they have a, a center-right lean in the news division. Obviously, the there's opinion programs there, and even some of the later afternoon programs tend to sway opinion-wise. But they do have actual reporters at Fox News. Like, Newsmax doesn't have reporters. OAN does not have reporters. No journalists, no journalism being done at those stations. And yet... They seem to be having their moment right now. And what do you think is going to happen over the course of the next couple of years? Well, I, to be honest with you, um, I know I've seen some of the ratings that had, you know, Fox down in the impeachment stop. And, you know, CNN typically when it's, it's sort of a I'll just say this like a bipartisan event, whether it's a, a debate or, some, you know, some whatever. They do really well, mostly when it's not sort of it's just a Democratic uh, primary debate or Republican. Right. But I, I, I don't know. I have a feeling, and, and, and it's just a feeling, that right now, like, Newsmax got a bump because all the psychos were just, you know, they need, it, it's odd. It's this cult mentality, right? So they just need to be reinforced over and over again that Donald Trump is a god and that the evil Democrats are socialists, communists, spies that hate America and want to turn the country into, into Venezuela. And so as long as they keep hearing that, and especially, you know, the anger from the elect from the election because they lost so badly that they just they needed to tune in to, to get this reinforcement. I don't think it's going to stick. I, I think their ratings are going to go back down. But, um, you know, we shall see. I, that's for sure. I mean, it is crazy when you see a great what is his name, Greg Kelly. And, and, and here's the funny thing about Greg Kelly. His dad was a well-respected, well-respected commissioner of the police department here in New York under Bloomberg. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, one of the most yeah. organized guys you'll you'll ever meet. And I used to do Fox 5 New York with Greg Kelly, the morning show every week. He's uh-huh. He was never crazy. Like, this is a complete act, if you ask me. Complete no, and no, total no. act. I completely agree with you because we have any intelligence and any moral sense that you know what you're saying is a lie, but I guess the paycheck is good. You know, I mean, I saw him doing this thing where he was up all night. Right. And this is, you know, I think at the day after the riots, he was up all night. He couldn't sleep. And of course the media is blaming Trump 
And then he looked, and his whole segment was on like a New York Times headline that blamed Trump for the incited the yeah. He just went off. I mean, it's like, like what universe? You know, they don't cover. Like again, you know, the whole to me when Rush Limbaugh started, his whole his whole idea was to not not discuss you know policies, Republicans different. It was to make their listeners loathe Democrats so much that if a Democrat was running against a pedophile, they would they would vote for the pedophile. Right. Right. That's and, really what it's about. And it's and by the way, they've succeeded in a lot of ways. Every way. I mean, people who listen to Rush Limbaugh would rather vote for a pedophile than a middle of the road Democrat because he's got a D next to his name. It is the most I mean, ridiculous thing. I don't know how we get out of this tailspin that we're in. Well, you know, first things first, we'll just see, you know, see, you know, look, every Republic, every candidate, presidential candidate or, or sitting president, you know, at this time w- during, you know, the hot election cycle and then the loser they usually understand that that the you know the temperature is one and higher. People are furious. They get really locked into supporting the candidate, almost like you know they're a cult figure, and that's why everyone you know concedes quickly and, and does the whole transition to power because yeah. they know what could happen, which is a, you know an insurrection at the Capitol. Right. Right. So I mean, it's going to take some time to decompress. And look, you know, people are surprised about like the, the 20, 30% of people that, that like support QAnon insanity. But if you remember, you know, 9-11 was an inside job. That's what was big for crazy out. Yeah. And I remember a poll they did, I don't know, back in 2008, like 20 some odd percent of you know, people believed that it was an inside job. So when you know that there's that mentality out there, you know that it's not really shocking to me. Only now with all these, like closed circuits of uh, you know Facebook and Rumble and, and thank God Parler's gone and but all these like all they do is just reinforce each other and and so it makes it it makes it more violent which is what we are seeing play out today. Yeah, I, I worry about this the future of this country because these people don't seem to want to go away and I think the problem is it's media addiction, right, John? I mean. Kelly lost his job at Fox five. He gets picked up by Newsmax. He's like, I gotta be popular. I've got to have, uh, some platform. So I'm going to just be as crazy as I can be. And I I think that people like Greg Kelly and even Tucker Carlson, who's had multiple, you know, reinventions of himself over the years, it's, it's, you know, Tucker Carlson, you know, used to be, you know, a, a thinking man's conservative, I guess, for lack of a better term. And he's decided that he, the only way for him to have ratings is to go full crazy. He's gone full crazy. So he's got the ratings for it, and that's what he's done. And it's horrible. But, John, I'm running out of time with you. I want to plug Crooks and Liars and everything else. Uh, you know, Where can people find you? What do you want people to know? Yeah, well, I mean, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. You know, it's an easy name to remember, crooksandliars.com. And, uh, we, you know, we're, we're a, uh, a gold standard progressive site. I love your name, Aggressive Progressive. Yep. And, um, you know, we're there. We, we, we pump out a lot of material. But we also we include most videos. And, you know, we are opinionated. But the thing you, you won't see is us editing a video to make somebody look stupid. That's why we've been able to last so long. Because everyone, the Beltway media, politicians, they all know that that when we at least we give our opinions, they're straight. It's not it's not phony. It's not tilted so that we're making people say things. That well, it, it's great stuff, and I always love it when I wind up there. And thank you for for the recognition. I really enjoy it. John Amato, Crooks and Liars. All right, I hope you uh, like those guests I had for you. Good people, both of them, Kathy Rue and. John Amato. John has written about me a bunch of times, always uh, catches some of my better hits on Fox, and I really appreciate that. Um, you know, uh, being a liberal on Fox, you don't always have other liberals say nice things about you, so when they do, it's it's good. So this is my last show that I'll be recording while Trump is president, and uh, pretty excited about that. My last show recording when Chuck Schumer is minority leader. He'll, he will become the majority leader later this week. I'm really excited about that. Chuck Schumer, my former boss. Um, I think there's a lot of good things in front of us this year. I know this year is off to a rotten start. And again, I am still uh, concerned that what we saw last week 
was the beginning of something and not the end, but I do think we're ready for it and I think we will handle it. Um, but I think it's going to be a good year. We're going to get this vaccine. We're going to get this disease under control. The economy is going to start to boom and, uh, we're going to have grownups in charge of our government and it's, it's, it couldn't come soon enough. Uh, I know that, uh, I'm recording this, you know, Monday night and we don't know what pardons Trump is going to do. Let's just assume that he's done something outrageous with these pardons. And yes, he pardoned Rudy Giuliani and himself and his son-in-law. And he, you know, it's legally dubious whether or not he could pardon himself. Whatever. I don't care. The only thing that'll make me talk about pardons next week is if he pardons some of these people who are rioting at the Capitol. If he does that, then I have to talk about that. But beyond that, uh, I'm hoping that next week I'm talking about how the conservatives have found their religion again on deficits and how that's a ridiculous thing. Uh, and it's it's time for them uh, to grow up and, and be honest and intellectually uh, honest to all of us. I mean, they spent the last four years not caring about deficits one bit. And, you know, they're going to start saying, well, we can't give $2,000 checks unless we cut something. Eh, it doesn't matter. There's 50 votes in the Senate to get give those 50 those checks out. And we'll waive the filibuster for just that thing if we need to. You know, Joe Manchin said he won't waive the filibuster for legislation. Well, I don't think creating a new state is legislation. I don't think giving checks to people is legislation. I think legislation is a change in law. And that's very different. So we'll see. I am, uh, and I'm also pretty confident that there'll be more than 50 senators that are Democrats pretty soon. I think somebody's going to cross the aisle because how do they stay with in a caucus with Hawley and Cruz at this point and 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 others? Tommy Tuberville, Marsha Blackburn. How do you stay with these people? The know nothings. You just can't do it. It's just, you know, I, I'm going to butcher a Martin Luther King quote. Monday was Martin Luther King Day. Um, he said one of the greatest dangers, and I'm paraphrasing, is is just being willful, willfully ignorant. And and that's what the Republican Party has. A lot of people who are willfully ignorant. And, and you know, the Marsha Blackburns and the Tommy Tubervilles of the world, willfully ignorant. The, uh, you know, Senator Scott, Senator Hawley, and Senator Cruz. No, no. They are being ignorant on purpose. So, um I don't know how thinking conservatives and thinking moderate Republicans like Romney and, you know, and, and Murkowski, even, you know, it, 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 there's just so, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they would stay. So we'll see. We'll see if I'm right. Maybe I'm right. Uh, I've been wrong a lot during the Trump presidency, so I'm not counting on it, but I would love to be right this time. Well, look, I want to remind you now, as I always do, to seek the truth question everyone and everything even me seek the truth i know it's out there and i know you'll find it if you look for it and i'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as i see it i'm chris Hahn. thanks for listening to the aggressive progressive podcast